I want to uh, share a message which is more about vision and faith and obedience with you this morning. But I want to start by talking about a wonderful story in the Old Testament about a man called Elijah. Now, Elijah was God's prophet, but he was very upset because instead of the people in his country worshipping God, they were starting to worship another God called Baal. And Elijah was very angry because he knew that the real God was upset. And so he went to King Ahab, who was a bad king, who was also a believer in Baal. And he said, I want to have a competition with the prophets of Baal. I want them to meet me at Mount Carmel first thing tomorrow morning. And so 450 prophets of Baal arrived at Mount Carmel, as well as a whole lot of other people. And so Elijah said to them, we're going to have this competition. We're both going to build an altar to our God. And we're going to put sticks on the altar, and then we're going to uh, kill an ox, and we're going to put the ox on top of the sticks as a sacrifice. And then we're going to cry out to our God and ask our God to set the sacrifice on fire. And so he said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. So they built their altar. They put the wood on the altar. They put the ox on the altar. And then they started praying to Baal. And they said, Baal, light the fire. Bring down fire on your sacrifice. And Elijah started teasing them. He said, cry louder. Maybe he can't hear you. And then they started cutting themselves and doing all sorts of crazy things, shrieking and yelling. And Elijah says, well, maybe your God's in the bathroom or something. Cry even louder. <laughs> and eventually they gave up. And Elijah said, right, my turn. He got 12 big stones and built the altar. He put the wood on the altar. He put the ox on the altar. Then he said, get me four buckets of water. And he poured the water all over the altar, all over the wood. Then he said, get me another four buckets. And he poured that over the altar as well. Then he asked for another four. And the water, there'd been a drought and there wasn't much water in the land, but he, built a, he dug a trench around his altar and filled the trench with water as well. And then he prayed to God and he said, God, please send fire. Prove to these people that you are the only true God. And then, next slide, God lit his sacrifice. It says that fire leapt down from heaven and the altar caught fire and the wood burned and the ox burned and even the stones burned, and the fire just licked up the water. And then Elijah prayed to God, and he said, 
Lord, you have proven to these people today that you are the true God. Turn these heart, the hearts of these people back to you. May they acknowledge you as the God of Israel. May they put their faith in you. Okay, that's a children's story. I'm going to refer to it a bit later on in, our, in my message. I do encourage you to come to our AGM tonight. It's not going to... Look, when people hear AGM, they, they think, oh gosh, get me out of here. I don't want to go to a boring meeting. And that's why last week we gave you the Celebrate report with a report on all of the ministries in this church. And we put it in your pigeonhole so that you can read it during the week. If you didn't get it last week, it'll be there today. And so we're saying, look, you can find out about what's happening in this church by reading that report. But in the past, we've been a wee bit um, guilty of worrying that maybe we're not giving our congregation, our people, enough time to ask us questions about what's going on in the church. And so we've had some people email us during the week with questions that they want raised at the AGM and some of those questions we were able to answer by email. So the idea of our meeting tonight, and this is the ideal, okay, it may not be like this. I'm thinking, I'm going to start with a 10-minute devotion and then Tim Calder is going to give us a 20-minute report on other things that we're planning on doing in the year ahead, visionary things, including some major possible changes to our building. And it's really important that we get everyone on board with this, that you come along. It's much easier to speak to 200 people at a time than to have to talk to people individually. But if you come along and you listen and you look at plans that are going to be beamed up on the, the screen, uh, and then if you've got any worries, any questions, we can discuss them with you. My ideal would be that the meeting part would be over by quarter past eight. The meeting starts at eight, and then at 8.15 we can have dessert and coffee together and then you can be home by 8.30. That's the ideal. Sometimes it goes longer than that, but uh, Tim and I are quite keen for this not to be too long a meeting. I got a letter from um, Charles Hewlett, who is the uh, national leader of the Baptist Union this week. He sends a, a weekly email out to all ministry staff. And this is what he said in his email. It's on the screen. He said, It's concerning for me to see that according to the, 19, the 2018 census, there has been a substantial drop in the number of people affiliated with Baptist churches in New Zealand. The Christian message of love, hope and reconciliation is so relevant for our nation today. And I am very proud of the way Baptists work hard at serving their local communities. But clearly, we have some work to do. This is a bit of a wake-up call. We cannot be complacent. Well, the good thing is that this church is actually doing really well. And if you read that report, you will see that there are some great things happening in this place. 
But you know, unbelief has always been one of the greatest enemies to the work of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew 13 verse 58, it talks about when Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth. And it says that because of their unbelief, he wasn't able to do many miracles in his hometown. Because they looked at Jesus and they said, oh, he's Joseph's son. This guy's just a carpenter. How can he have the power of God on his life? How can he be the Messiah? And in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, No one can please God without faith. For whoever comes to God must have faith that God exists and rewards those who seek him. Now, you can try and build any organisation in your own strength, but we want to work with God. We want to know what God's will is for this church and we want to get into step with him. A few years ago, someone, a well-known prophet from YWAM prophesied over me and he said, sometimes you come along on a Sunday morning and you preach a sermon and it's as though you're trying to bash down the door. But I want to give you a key. I want you to be able to open the door and I'm going to show you what that key is. And that's part of what Mike and I are, going to, are hoping to do with this Revive group. We really want to connect with the Spirit of God and the good things of God. We don't want to struggle in our own strength. We want to get in step with God and see God do a mighty move in this place. You know, when I was a, a young boy, I had quite a powerful magnifying glass. And I used to use that magnifying glass to burn things. I could carve my initials in, in things. And it was quite a handy thing to own. But you know, faith is the magnifying glass that brings down the fire of God. Just think of the story I've told you about Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal. It was Elijah's faith and obedience that drew the fire of God down onto that sacrifice. When we have a strong and simple faith, we can also set the world on fire, just like the early church in the Bible. Hebrews 11.35 tells us, Through faith, women received their dead relatives raised back to life. You know, there are people among us who have children that have been taken captive by the things of this world. We can have faith and we can pray that our children will have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is so that they can come under the transforming power of Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful story in Matthew 8 verses 5 to 13 about the Roman centurion. And he, his servant was sick and he came to Jesus and he said, will you heal my servant? And Jesus says, well, yeah, I'll come with you and I'll pray for him. The centurion said, look, you don't even need to come. I know that you have the power of God in your life. I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God. You can just pray here and my servant will be healed. 
And that's what happened. But you know, there's all sorts of stories in the Bible of people that have faith, but other people that don't have faith. Like there's the story of Caleb and Joshua. Here's the Israelites and they're trekking through the wilderness and eventually they get to the land that God's promised them. And they go in to spy out the land. And Caleb and Joshua, they say, look, this is exciting. This is the land that God's given us. God is with us. He will enable us to take this land. But the ten other spies, they said, look, the people are giants. They've been living in this country for years. They've got walled castles and cities. There's no way we're going to beat them. Instead of trusting in God and the power of God, they lacked faith. And consequently, instead of taking over the land, they had to camp out there in the wilderness for another 40 years. And so today, many people are fearful. They don't believe that God is able or even likely to use them in a mighty way. Who watched Japan play Ireland in rugby last night? Well, you've all heard the score, haven't you? Um, I mean, here's little Japan. Physically, they're not big people. But they were fired up. And they played Ireland, the number two ranked team in the world, who has, built, has beaten the All Blacks two of the last three times they've played us. And here's little old Japan. And they go out there believing that they are going to win that game. So everyone's watching it on TV. The stadium's packed out. And none of those guys wanted to miss a tackle because their countrymen would see their, their weakness or their fallibility. So they were totally committed to that game. And they beat Ireland quite well. And who knows? The All Blacks could be playing them in the final. They'll certainly qualified to go beyond pool playing. Another important leader of Israel was Gideon. And God wanted Gideon to fight against the Midianites. And initially he lacked confidence. And then he said, look, this army I've got is way too small. There's far more Midianites than we, than we have soldiers. But God said, no, it's too big. You tell those people that don't want to be in the army, those people that don't believe we can beat them, to leave. And so all those people that were discouraged, they left. And so only the people that really believed that God was with them remained and they had faith and they went out and they won the victory. And you know, there are people that have a discouraging attitude and attitudes like that can be contagious they can that discouragement can spread from person to person but people who are filled with faith they also create an atmosphere an atmosphere that god can do abundantly more than we can ask or think so think back to that children's talk think of the faith of elijah on mount carmel confronting 450 prophets of Baal. 450. Just one Elijah. You know, Peter denied Jesus. And after he 
denied Jesus, he became very discouraged. And God wasn't able to use Peter until his faith and courage were restored. A discouraged believer who loses confidence will be sidelined by the Lord. People with strong, courageous hearts will go forward in God and have great success. And so we can use our opportunities to honour God and to expect a work of God amongst us. D.L. Moody was an evangelist and he attended a meeting when he was a boy where the speaker said, the world has yet to see what God could do if one person is totally yielded to him. And Moody said, I am going to be that person. Moody was totally yielded to Jesus Christ. And he preached around the world and thousands of people came to know Jesus because of his ministry. But most of us would struggle to respond the way Moody did, wouldn't we? If we were asked that question, if, God, if we are fully yielded to God, God could do amazing things. We would end up saying things like, well, unfortunately that sort of clashes with my own plans for life. Or, I'm quite comfortable the way I am, I'm afraid. I don't want to take the risk. I don't want to move out of my comfort zone. And so, there's another story, the chapter before the one about the prophets of Baal, where God sent his servant Elijah to visit a poor widow and her son. They were trying to eke out an existence during a time of severe drought and famine. All that they had left was a handful of flour and a tablespoon of cooking oil. The situation was desperate. This woman had decided that she would use the flour and the oil to cook one last meal. Then she would accept the inevitable, death by starvation. But God told her to feed his prophet Elijah. This meant that she'd have to give him all that she had left. She hesitated and said in verse 12, I've only got enough to bake a piece of bread for my son and myself. And when that's gone, we'll die of starvation because there's nothing left. Elijah replied, Make me a loaf of bread from the flour that you have, and after that there will be enough for you and your son. In fact, God says that if you do this, he will provide you with bread and cooking oil until the famine is over. So God called this widow to take a step of faith to trust him and obey him, even though it would cost her everything that she had. Faith involves hearing God and obeying God, putting God first in our lives. This widow was instructed to give the first portion of her meal to Elijah, not just the leftovers. And that's the same principle behind tithing. We're called to put God first in everything. This is made clear in Matthew 6 verse 24 where it says, No one can serve two masters, 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. We all know the first and greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. You know, many people don't support the Lord's work because it's their last consideration when it comes to using their resources. God only gets the leftovers. Here's the promise. As this woman gave the first portion of her resources to the Lord, God ensured that she always had enough. In Philippians 4 verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. So when this woman took that step of faith and gave the little that she had, God supplied her needs. God kept filling that jar of flour and that jug of oil. He didn't give her many jugs of flour and oil, but enough for her immediate needs. This helped her to go on trusting him each day for her daily needs. Jesus did not tell us to pray for a supply of bread that would last us for two years. He said, give us this day our daily bread. So what was it that, that, that prevented that widow from really trusting God? It was just that one cup of flour and that tablespoon of oil. As long as she had that, she didn't really need to trust God. You might say, well, that's ridiculous because she was about to lose it anyway. But it's the same with those things that we clutch onto that prevent us from trusting God because ultimately we're going to lose them all. So what are the things that we hold on to that prevent us from trusting God in our lives? The first is our self-sufficiency. That attitude that says, I'm not going to step out in faith until I have all the resources to do what God tells me to do. Or that fear of, fear of failure. I might fail and I couldn't handle that. Or that love of comfort. I don't want to step out of my comfort zone. I really enjoy my comforts. Sometimes we need to have all the details in advance, but it's not faith if you know everything. A step of faith is stepping out in obedience even though you don't have all the information. God has promised that he will give us a lamp for our feet, not a crystal ball for our future. The other thing is that need for security, isn't it? I won't take a step of faith if it involves giving up things that I require for my security, my possessions, my money and my job. And the, the sixth thing that we clutch onto is our reputation. What if things go wrong? It might make me look silly. So here was this woman and she was clinging on to all that she had left, a handful of flour and a jug 
of oil so that it could prolong her life for a few more days. Inevitably, death comes to us all. And those things that we hang on to, they're just like that next meal for that widow in comparison to God and all his resources that he has available. People hold on to the things that they think will give their life meaning, fulfilment, hope and security. But all these things do is temporarily provide for our superficial needs. In the end, we lose the lot, including our lives. Only God and his will will bring eternal fulfillment. So faith involves taking risks. Elijah said to this woman, hand this over to God and he'll give you what you need. He will sustain you forever. I read a story about a water pump in the Nevada desert. Attached to the pump was a little no a, a bottle of water with a note around it. The note read, before you use the pump, you must moisten the leather washer and prime the pump by using all the water in this bottle. Now, if you know anything about pumps, a pump will suck up water from the ground. But if there's air in the pipe, it will suck the air up rather than the water. And so here's this pump in the middle of the desert. And people that go to this pump are dying of thirst. But there's a bottle of water there. And they say... To get the water that you want, you have to use this bottle of water to prime the pump. You need to tip that water down into the pipe so the pipe's full of water and, then we, and you also need to moisten the washer um, on the pump, the leather washer on the pump. If you do things the right way, you will have as much water as you need. But if you're so thirsty that you drink that bottle of water, then you're not going to get any more. And anyone else that goes to that pump aren't going to get any more either. And often that can be how it is with God. When we show compassion and generosity to other people, it's like priming the pump. As we show compassion and generosity to others, our hearts change and generosity starts to flow out of us. We can hang on to that water. We can hang on to what God's given us. But as we start using what God's given us to help other people, there's a flow-on effect and we reap what we sow. What we plant, we also reap. When we focus on ourselves our hearts shrivel up and become hard and dry. And so Jesus said in Luke 9 verse 24, whoever holds onto their life in this world, whoever uses their life to satisfy their own self-centered interests will lose it. But whoever loses their life and gives it over to God for his purposes will find it 
they'll discover life as God really intended it on this earth and in heaven. But this involves risks. This involves stepping out in faith. Writer O.S. Hawkins said, the principal hindrance to the advancement of the kingdom of God is greed. It is the chief obstacle to heaven sent revival. It seems that when the back of greed is broken, the human spirit soars into regions of unselfishness. You know, every single thing that God challenges us to do involves an element of faith and risk, stepping out of our comfort zone. I'd like to thank the many people in this church who give so sacrificially to this place of their time, of their prayers, of their money. This enables us to accomplish God's will in this church and in this community. So come to our AGM tonight. You don't need to be a member. You can come along and hear what's going on, what we're planning for the future. But if you're not a member, you can't vote, but you can still be part of everything else that goes on. There are good things that we're planning for the future that we want to share with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you died for us all and in your dying you have granted us a share in your kingdom. We thank you for your compassion and generosity towards us. We pray that we also will show compassion and generosity towards others and that through doing so, others will accept the compassion that you offer to them. In Jesus' name, amen.